the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another thrill-packed edition of Unite, i.e. Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. And we see every week, every day, every hour, the need for people to fulfill the obligations of that most important political office. If you want little things like freedom, the republic, keep the constitution, and things like that. I have with me two examples of people who are fulfilling the obligations of their most important political office with us today. But first is my co-host, Anita Rhodes, and we welcome her back to the show by popular demand. Uh, that She did so good on her first time out on the radio show, that it was like, well, I've got to get her back here. And uh, so we're pleased to have Anita back with us today. And she is with, I don't know, she's on the Central Committee of the Riverside County Republican Party. She's part of our group in the Redlands Tea Party Patriots. We go to the same church arc of the Nazarene in Redlands together, and she's putting together a pastor's conference. More about that probably not today, but you know, coming up. And uh, who knows what else she's doing, and this, is o- and this is only Thursday of the week. Thank you, Greg. It's so good to be back again. Pleased to have you. And our, other, and our guest this week is a Pastor Brian Hawkins. Uh, I think he's been on before, and he's, we've had him as a, at our Redlands Tea Party Patriots. Uh, really, and he's running for Congress. He, he's, really a, he's really an amazing guy because he's able to, you know, you, if you listen to him speak, is combines both logic and reason with Emotion, and that's a that is a rare gift. But uh, Pastor Brian has that, and he is just went to see President Trump in at the, his event in North Carolina recently. He has interesting comments about that. So, welcome to the show, and you, you take it from there, Pastor Brian. Uh, tell us about your trip to North Carolina. Absolutely. Well, first of all, I want to thank you for uh, an amazing introduction. I'm gonna have to. Uh, ask you to send that to me so I can, you know, use that for every time I go somewhere. I'm just going to do a voiceover and have people just play your voice. Like, how should I introduce you? Like, never mind. I, I got the perfect introduction. Well, I, I, Pastor Brian, <laughs> I read it just like you wrote it. Oh, God. never mind. <laughs> oh, you're good. You're good. <laughs> okay. So a big trip to North Carolina. Right, right. I would have loved to have gone, but uh, yeah, you got to see President Trump and tell us about yes, it. Yes, sir. Uh, it, it was it was such an amazing trip. Um, you know, uh, if, if there was any moment to just reaffirm that God is mm-hmm. really ahead of my campaign, uh, this trip was all the evidence that one could have asked for. Um, even prior to me going, I remember sending out a message because I had wanted to um, pay for a table at the dinner. Um, I knew we didn't have the money for it. And someone has sent me a message and said, you know, you know, the anointing that's on your life, you know, you, you don't have to pay for the table. You know, God is going to set it up to where you get invited to the table. And I left it at that. And when we got on the road and we drove to North Carolina, my wife and I, it was just me and my wife in my campaign van, very, very special, it was beautiful. You know, we were driving back and forth, you know, switching seats, getting a little rest. And it took us two days to get out there. And, um, you know, when we got to North Carolina, I think the the first day we pulled up in North Carolina was was the moment that just said, you know, man, God is about to do something special uh, for us. Um, I was able to see my grandmother um, in her home. I hadn't been there in 30 years. And so it was that was probably the funniest thing. She said, baby, we remodeled the house. And I said, well, what did you change on the house? I'm looking around trying to see something different. And so when I was a kid, she used to have a skeleton key to the front door. And now she has a regular, you know, boat lock. And I said, oh, that's a that's an upgrade, you know, from a from a skeleton key to a boat lock. And so, um, you know, I was able to see my, my you know, sib- you know, not siblings, but, uh, you know, family members, uncles, uh, you know, different individuals I hadn't saw and seen in years. Uh, and then I was invited, uh, Lenore County had hosted a, a barbecue dinner 
you know, at the you know, Lenore County Republican Party, which I'm going to tell you right off the bat, you know, anytime you go to a Republican Party meeting in North Carolina, you're you're guaranteed two things, you know, barbecue and they're going to raffle off a rifle. You know, those, those, <laughs> those are your two things you're going to get in any GOP event in North Carolina. Somebody leaving with a barbecue sandwich and a brand new rifle. You, you're going to get that. <laughs> Sounds fun. Yes, sir. Yes, try sir. that here. So we have. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You, you can do that when you're in an open carry state. Um, and so we, you know, I had got tickets to go to the convention. My initial reason to going out in North Carolina really was to visit the land where my father was buried, uh, where my family were slaves on. So that was my initial go to reason. I wanted to go out and film a commercial of reparation of slavery. Our family, you know, was given 40 acres of land. Uh, some little bit of time after slavery had been abolished. Uh, my great-great-grandfather were sharecroppers. My family were sharecroppers on the land. It was a tobacco plantation. And uh, somewhere around about the early 1900s, uh, my family acquired 75 acres of that land for $10. And so that kind of like what started the whole thing. Um, last year, my father passed away. He went out a couple of years before that to go and uh, kind of secure the land, make sure my brothers and sisters, you know, all the paperwork was transferred over. And so we went out there to go see the land. And that was my initial reason. And there was a Republican convention that was happening at the same time during that week, you know, and God just started opening up doors. You know, my first meeting, I went and met and sat with Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson. Oh, he's um, great. Who's, yeah, first African-American uh, governor in the state of North Carolina. Man, is just a powerhouse. Big guy. We sat there at the table and you know, he told me his story of how he overcame, you know, so much and how God just opened up a door for him. You know, and he was really surprised because, you know, most politicians, when you go to meet politicians, you automatically thinking, oh, he's coming for an endorsement. He's coming for donations. I said, no, I'm actually coming to sit and get wisdom from you. You know, I, I want I want to hear what you went through when you were running for, you know, your office. What are some things that I can learn? And he just sat back, unbuttoned his shirt and it just felt like man, finally somebody's come here that don't really want nothing but just to hear my story. And it was such a beautiful moment. I sat there in the Lieutenant Governor's uh, mansion in North Carolina and Raleigh. Um, I walked the area, saw some historic buildings, uh, churches that had been up since slavery was abolished in the state of North Carolina. Um, and then the, the next day we went out to a breakfast, the, the official day of the uh, convention. As a matter of fact, excuse me, that night, he's, the next night he ended up speaking um, and then I was sitting at a table listening to Governor Christy Nome speak from South Dakota and definitely a dynamic lady. And when I say God orchestrated things, you know, I was sitting at a table with a young lady named Erin and her mother. And we got to talking and she was sharing with me and I was sharing with her about my trip. And she asked, like, well, are you going to the Trump, the dinner with Trump tonight? I said, well, you know, it'd be nice if I could go. But, you know, when I went to go try to buy the tickets, they were sold out. The tables were $5,000, a little bit too, you know, outside of my range. She said, you know what? I got to find a way to get you to that dinner. And I got a text message um, later on that day. Go to the front desk. There's tickets for you and your wife uh, to go to the dinner uh, with President Trump tonight. And I was, you know, you're talking about, okay, God, you know, like I said, don't, you don't have to buy a ticket. God is going to, you know, provide a way. That's what the scripture says. Your gift will make room for you and bring you before the company of great men. And what I mean by, you know, I was before some great individuals that weekend, you know, most of the entire, you know, representatives of the state of North Carolina, judges, you know, lieutenant governors. I mean, just so many, you know, impactful people in the state of North Carolina and uh, meeting with Madison Cawthorn and Dr. Greg Murphy, just just a, a host of individuals, and you know I was invited to a you know a private um, conversation. It was a smaller group room where we were able to go and sit and listen to uh, President Trump, and and that was just uh, an amazing feeling. There was just an excitement in the air. So many people were just excited to be there. Um, probably one of the biggest highlights is when I was invited by the General Assembly to address the entire House of Representatives from the state of North Carolina. You know, the Speaker of the House yielded the floor to me. He said, man, you have one of the best campaign cards I've ever seen. You know, if you haven't received one of my race cards campaign, I'll make sure at the next Tea Party I'll come and bring you some. But I started passing out the race card, uh, which means, that, you know, it's time for us to expire racism, you know, since we want to continue to see politicians play the race card every year. 
Uh, and so when he introduced me to the entire Republican caucus in the state of North Carolina, he was, uh, said that, you know, this politician right here really has one of the coolest uh, cars I've ever seen. Um, and within that eight minutes, I talked about the importance of, you know, what brought the Republican Party together and how it's time for us to really teach African-American history through the lens of the Republican Party, given the fact that this is the reason why our party was, you know, founded was to abolish slavery. And when I got through speaking, you know, every person in the room, you know, there was some tears of people that stood up with, you know, a standing ovation. Uh, many of them started following me on social media. Uh, you know, I've been getting phone calls, text messages. Uh, even to this day, I still get, you know, messages from Madison Cawthorn. He's a congressman in North Carolina. Dr. Greg Murphy, he's a congressman in North Carolina. Uh, just very different people just encouraging me. Uh, that, that you're somebody like Washington really need. And so it was just a great trip, uh, you know, driving back from North Carolina, my wife and I, we stopped in Selma, Alabama, uh, at the Edmund Pettus Bridge, you know, to really take in what, what voter suppression really looked like compared to, you know, saying voter ID as a form of voter suppression. We went to Birmingham, Alabama, where the four little girls in that church was bombed. And so it just, we, we, we just saw America, and how far it's come. And so, you know, coming back, I was really, I'm really excited. You know, I came back with this new sense of, you know, purpose and this drive that, you know, I didn't have before um, when I left to go to North Carolina. The way doors opened for you on that trip was in part because of who you are and the choices you've made, but your own personal story and we're coming up. Let's take a commercial break. And I want you to tell when we come back your personal story of how you went from being convicted felon to where you are today and how you, and how you did that after this word from Ed Hoffman of Summit Funding, the place to go for your real estate lending needs, both residential and commercial. Back after this. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, right here on AM590 The Answer. By now, I'm sure you've all been hearing about the fact that mortgage rates have dropped a whole percentage point in the last 12 months. So what does that mean to you? Well, if you own a home, it means we can possibly, one, reduce your payment, two, pull out cash and pay off other bills, and then further reduce your payment, or three, we can possibly reduce the term of your loan and get your home paid off years earlier than you planned. If you're over 62 considering a reverse mortgage, the lower the interest rates are, the more money you get on a reverse mortgage. And if you haven't even inquired about a reverse, you owe it to yourself to investigate this tremendous financing option. So if you're thinking about any of these, the time to act is now. For more information, call me at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the Summit Funding logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 590, the answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton. My co-host this week is Anita Rhodes, and we're pleased to have as our guest a Pastor Brian Hawkins. And he told us about how he went to North Carolina and doors just opened for him, both because of the Lord and because of who he is. And people met him and go, they, oh, he didn't have a ticket to the dinner with President Trump. And they met him and they saw that he got a ticket to the dinner with President Trump. And they invited him to speak to the entire House, the entire House of Representatives in North Carolina. I want you to take a few minutes here, Pastor Brian. And I think your personal story is somewhat the same as how you went from convicted felon to where you are now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, when I was growing up, uh, which is interesting because uh, when you read into my life, I didn't have the statistics, you know, that that would suggest I should have gone to jail. You know, I, you know, I grew up both parents in the home, um, both parents, educators. Um, I think my mother probably has more degrees than thermometers, um, you know, you know, she always used to tell me when I was a kid growing up, you know, read, I don't care, whatever it is, if it's a piece of bubblegum wrapper, pick it up and read it. So that's kind of been one of my my things. Maybe at a young age, not understanding the value of being obedient, paying attention, um, 
you know, really knowing the consequences of mistakes. Uh, but even with that being said, I, I never made an excuse for any of the mistakes that I've ever made, you know, hanging around with the crowd that I hung around with and the choices that I've made. Uh, and it did, it, it took some time out of my life. Um, even when I describe, you know, what ended up leading me to prison, oftentimes when I share the story, you know, they're low level offenses. You know, there's no crimes against women. It's not violent crimes. It's not, you know, not even a victim crimes. You know, it's not crimes against people. It's, you know, bad decisions. And that um, it led me down a path, really, I think, for the most part, uh, kind of similar to Joseph in the Bible, you know, understanding now where we're at, where the hot topics of conversation is prison reform, you know, listen to uh, some of the, you know, how do we move forward? I think that because I've had that experience of being behind bars, you know, seeing some of the reform that is going on in bars, the mindset of many of the individuals that are in prison, I give a, you know, kind of a realistic perspective, a unique perspective. I, I remember um, right at the highlight of uh, a case that I was going through, and I was going through trial for having a rental car three days late. Um, and there was a proposition that was on the ballots. Uh, I think it's Proposition 66. I want to say in 2003, I believe it was. And had that proposition passed, it would have reversed uh, my initial strike from when I was 18 years old because it wasn't a violent offense. Um, and given the fact that I signed uh, a strike without understanding what I was signing, it would have struck down that strike and it would have you know, turned that felony into a misdemeanor because that's essentially what it was. Uh, but the law, it didn't pass. And I remember telling a room full of inmates, you know, that was waiting for the laws to pass. And one of the comments I said is, you know, you know, if the law passed and we don't pass, or we, if the law changed, but the person who's breaking the law doesn't change, what good is changing the laws? And I said, that's the biggest problem. We're waiting for the laws to change while we're still the same person. And there's this statement on, in prison where it says, you know, you know, I got life on an installment plan. It's kind of like going in and going out, kind of the, the recidivism rate. Some guys would do two years parole, come back and do three more years parole, come back and do five years parole a year. And so they essentially end up spending their entire life behind bars because they're going in and out. Um, and so <clears throat> one of the things that I did towards the end of my, my sentence, because I did lose in trial for having that rental car three days late, uh, and it and ultimately ended up giving me some serious time simply because I fought it. And I can argue um, that the prison or the court system is corrupt. I can argue, you know, I mean, some of the arguments that individuals is making today, but it doesn't help move things forward and it doesn't help change where we're at right now. Um, I'm glad that my situation is not in today's time where it seems victim blaming is 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 acceptable. It seems like it's 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 encouraged for people to blame other people for uh, their mishaps. Uh, it reminds me of uh, a, a story I once read about a kid that fell asleep in a math class and woke up to seeing an equation on the board. And I remember him going home to try to figure out this equation. And he came back and he was excited. And he told his professor, professor, I, I solved the problem. He's like, what problem? The math problem that you left on the board, you know, the homework assignment. And he said, that wasn't homework assignment. I, I was just using that to tell the students that this is one of the most impossible math problems to ever solve. And no, no mind has ever solved it. And he's like, how did you solve it? He said, oh, I was asleep when you told everybody that. It's because he didn't know that you couldn't do it. You know, he figured that it was something that could be done and, and it didn't shut off that part of his mindset. And I think that the moment you put these limitations in people's mind, the moment you suggest what's impossible, I think it shuts down that creativity inside the brain that can figure it out. And I think that's the problem that we have in society. It's too much of telling people how not to do something or what's impossible or why there's limitations, you know. Don't tell me why there's limitations. You know, I, I don't need to know why there's limitations. I never thought that my skin color was a limitation. I never thought that where I was at it was a result of, you know, laws. I, I thought I was where I was at is because I went to jail. I made mistakes. 
you know, <laughs> and, and, and I had to pay the consequences for it. And so um, when I ran for office, I, I, I solely ran for office um, just to prove that narrative wrong. You know, if, if, if systemic racism is real, if the laws that are written is designed to keep black people back, then, then I'm black and I'm an ex-felon, so I shouldn't be able to win this election. I shouldn't be able to win a seat in office uh, because now I have what they call your intersectionality. I got, I'm a, I'm a black male. That's one, two, and an ex-felon. That's three. So right there, that's three strikes, right? California has a three-strike law. So, so you're looking at three reasons, according to critical race theory, why I shouldn't win. You know, their, their foundational teaching is saying, you know what, hey, because you have these three intersectionalities, yeah, it, there's no way. And so I ran with that ideal and, and I won. I won my race. It was local, uh, but yet and still I won my race. And it's one of the reasons why I'm really amped up and excited because now I want to challenge this on a, a federal level. You know, I, I want I want I want the whole world to be free. You know, uh, I, I want the whole world to know that what's possible, even when other people think it's not. Well, and you know, along the way from prison to where you are right now, at one point you were homeless, then you became a pastor, you have your own church, ran successfully for city council, and here you are, you're, you're addressing the entire assembly of North Carolina. Yeah, absolutely. You know, at a dinner with President, former President uh, Donald Trump. I mean, there's so many, I mean, there's so many different things that I've accomplished along the way, including I've had great jobs. You know, uh, I used to be the manager of L.A. Fitness. I used to be the manager of Verizon. I used to be the manager of Crunch Fitness. Yeah, I was the manager at Best Buy. So I've I've had, you know, jobs that were able to, you know, take care of myself. You know, I had a nice, beautiful home in Marietta and so uh, or California. So so the notion of what's impossible, you, you can't tell me what I can't do. Yeah, that's uh true generally in life and it's certainly I think true at least in America at least the way it has been up to now is you really is you can pursue happiness America became great because it was as an exception to human history is that you could people were made to be free to pursue happiness as they define it for themselves to an unprecedented degree absolutely absolutely and, and I think that's the biggest problem you have people who don't know what they have access to arguing about something that they already have, you know, kind of like what happened with Adam and Eve. Here it is. The serpent tried to convince them of something that they already had. You know, they already had access to it. God wasn't withholding anything from Adam and Eve. And, and that's exactly what it is right now. We're dealing with the serpent all over again, trying to convince people what they already have access to. You read that document, that Declaration of Independence. Yeah, surely you can say, well, we wasn't free then. Well, guess what? You wasn't alive when Jesus Christ died. But if you confess him, you get access to it. You know, so it's the same content. You know, now that we are free, the, the Declaration has been ratified. You know, it's been modified, the amendments, you know, which says, you know what? Let's go back and write a wrong. We, we may have left you out on the founding document when it was written. But now that it has been amended, you have access to it. And I think that that's what people need to understand. Read where it has been amended, where it has been altered to give you access to where you say it when it was originally written, you felt like you didn't because we were three-fifths of a human being. Yeah, there was a, there was a great um, quote. I'm, I'm just looking for it here, and maybe I'll can't, I find it immediately. I'm just going to paraphrase. And Martin Luther King said that these talked about these magnificent documents, the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, were a promissory note. And, mm. and by his time, is is they they were a promissory note to all people, all Americans, and it was time black people they were now due. They were due all of those promises in these magnificent documents, and that's so different from what's being now taught under critical race theory. We are coming up against a hard break, but hopefully, Pastor, you can stay with us for another segment, and we'll talk about these things further. And you also wanted to talk about the movement to make Juneteenth a national holiday. So stay tuned, please, for the second half of Unite, i.e. radio. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, right here on AM590, The Answer. 
For those of you that are 62 or older and haven't taken the time to inquire into a reverse mortgage, here are some great reasons to consider one. One, you don't have to make monthly mortgage payments unless you want to. Two, a reverse mortgage can supplement your retirement income and allow your retirement savings to last longer, which will save you money on taxes or possibly allow you to delay taking Social Security benefits, which will increase your benefit when you do. Three, when you finally pass on, your kids inherit the home and the equity in it, along with the money that has accumulated in your bank accounts from not having to make monthly mortgage payments. Four, no prepayment penalty if you decide to sell the home or refinance out of it. And the biggest reason, it's your equity. Use it when you want it. Interest rates are low, which means more money available. So if you've inquired before and it didn't work, it may work today. Calling to find out more details is free, so call me at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the Summit Funding logo. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM590, the answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. And I am pleased to have two people on the show with me this week that exemplify that uh, quote from Justice Louis Brandeis. Are my co-host, Anita Rhodes, who was way too talkative in our first half. And our guest, Pastor Brian Hawkins, from, uh, he's on the City Council of San Jacinto, and he's running for Congress in the 36th District against Raul Ruiz, a very far-left guy who once endorsed a cop killer. I forget the guy, the, the, the murderer's name. Anita, why don't you jump in here, and I think you have some questions or comments about what we've been talking about. I was really grateful, Councilman, that you brought up the fact of the limitations of the critical race theory. And I see that theory, that ideology is harmful to all Americans. It teaches blacks that we have limitations and that the world is against us. It teaches the LGBT community, people that are sexually confused, that they must remain confused. They cannot come out of the ideology. It teaches us that our children must be taught and geared toward homosexuality. So that ideology is harmful to everyone except the purveyors of it. The purveyors of critical race theory in your power to themselves and oppress and divide the rest of us. One thing I would say to all of the listeners, reject it outright. We know that everyone who desires any type of career, if they pursue it and work for it, they achieve it. We see it on TV with our actors. We see it in the sports. We see it in academia. So they're lying to us. They're deceiving us and manipulating us. So thank you for bringing that up. And thank you for being a living example of that ideology being a lie. Everything about your life, the missteps you've taken, recovering from them, learning from them, being able to share your life history for others to be encouraged and inspired by it. Really appreciate that about you, sir. Yes, ma'am, and I appreciate that. Uh, you, you're absolutely right. Yeah, you know, so it, it, it takes me back to um, history, you know, and some of the great moments in history, you know, when the Wright brothers created, you know, the airplane. You know, imagine, imagine being a Wright brother in 2021. You know, imagine being told that, you know, you, we're not supposed to fly. You know, imagine being just really just broken in your dreams. You know, today is just to, to me, I feel like today does more harm to the person's imagination of what's possible just by these narratives. Uh, and as I said, I'm glad that what I went through was not in 2021. I'm glad I went through this before the Internet. You know, I'm, I'm so <laughs> I'm so grateful that God, I was born before the internet, because I believe the internet has crushed more dreams uh, than anything. You know, you have too many individuals that are, you know, go on the internet and tell you, this is the reason why you can't do it. And and so many internet scholars 
that just are trying to destroy narratives. And I felt like what the Wright brothers did for airplanes, what Moses did for boats. I mean, I could just go through history and just talk about all the inventions. But imagine what all those individuals did for evidence of what's possible. And that's what my story is all about. You know, and, and it's amazing how I do get a lot of backlash from the black community because it, it's almost like, you know, how dare you show us what's possible? How dare you go against our narrative uh, of <laughs> of what we're trying to teach white people? Because it's like it's almost like it's almost like it wants to create this level of hate across the world and recreate a lot of uh, the past hate and everything. And so I had to make that correlation of it. I feel like God has blessed me with a tremendous gift uh, and a testimony to give uh, not only evidence to why critical race theory has so many flaws, uh, but to also give hope to individuals who who have been taught over the last few years or even years that you know your past define you and all the other reasons why people have had setbacks. So, you know, I, I want to use my story to be that very thing that hopefully that catalyst to break that mental roadblock that has probably, you know, handicapped the inner city for too many years. If I may reply to that, in defense of blacks who think conservative blacks are their enemies or we, you know, are, we don't represent our race. They've been deceived to think that loyalty and forgive me for being political, but it's okay. Don't forgive me. We, we, we do politics occasionally on this show. Okay. <laughs> okay. The Democrat <laughs> Party at one time, the Democrat Party years ago may have helped black people. But what we don't recognize quickly enough is that a switch has taken place. That's now the party of big corporations, all of that. So it's not the party of the working man any longer. The Republican Party has become the party of the working man. And in order to keep control and influence of blacks, the Democrat Party routinely deceives us. And we think just staying on that team is going to gain us success. But if we as blacks take an honest look at the successes or failures that we've had under the Democrat Party, we have not prospered. And those who adhere to the party are not prospering. And those who appear to have prospered are maintaining blacks to the party and to stay at a certain level. So we have to understand how capable we are, how much opportunity this great nation offers us. And if I, I won't monopolize the conversation this time, but I'll say when um, President Trump ran for office, we heard many wealthy blacks threaten to leave the country. And my question is, why didn't they leave? Why didn't they take all of the wealth that they have and go build cities and countries in Africa? Because they know that this is the greatest country for the greatest opportunity from the smallest person to the greatest person. So that's what I'm wanting the audience to understand. We're being lied to. We're being deceived. Use our own intelligence. Look at our circumstances. And the things they're saying to us are lies. One last thing. We see that they're censoring us. They don't want us to hear the truth. They must keep us divided because if we talk amongst each other, the light will go on and we will collaborate. We will retain our freedoms. We will see the opportunities and then we will flourish. That's the last thing the left wants to happen. Well, absolutely. They, the, 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 the people that are flourishing and happy and prosperous don't need government, don't need as much government. Which is why. Mm. The small businesses, hardworking, independent Americans are the ones you see being oppressed mm. and targeted. Yeah. Thomas Sowell, yeah, I mean, one of the most brilliant guys around. And he says that uh, politically, there are a few ideas more, more potent than the notion that all of your problems are caused by other people and their unfairness to you. Mm. Yes, that's true. What I've noticed, there are issues we could say with society, certain things like that. But what I've noticed from the left is as they present the victim, the helpless black people and all of that, they don't empower us to recognize when we make missteps. 
when we may lack knowledge or judgment to make right choices. So some of our issues are self-inflicted just because we don't know. But we can talk to one another, learn from one another, and learn how to make better choices, how to recover from missteps, as opposed to blaming someone else. We can blame them all day long, and they can make all the corrections in the world. If we're still making wrong choices, missteps, and not taking responsibility, not learning from our mistakes, then we're still going to fail. We're very capable, brilliant, knowledgeable, colorful people, as are every other ethnicity in this beautiful tapestry that is America. But we need to understand that and stop listening to the people that's dangling a carrot in front of us that we never get. But we don't need their carrot. That's the point. We can grow our own. Very good. I think that uh, you look at things like city of Baltimore, and there was, uh, you know, that's one of the dilapidation, crime, high unemployment, terrible schools, government-run schools, and so on. And there was this great candidate in this last election, Kim Klasik. And she did. She she brought herself to, to to national prominence, but with this great commercial, as she's just walking the streets in of of Baltimore, and it didn't hurt that she was in this tight red dress with these high red high heels. <laughs> Help! I don't know. Helped hold my attention. <laughs> I did focus on the high heels. I wondered how she could do that. <laughs> but she 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 she, she lost overwhelmingly, and and I just and I'm and I. I this isn't just, this isn't just black people. I just you see the video of, of Venice Beach, one of the, used to be one of the iconic places, people known all over the world, and it's become a you know what hole because the government there has let they become an overrun homeless camp with crime and drugs and so on, and yet the people there. So in Baltimore, they keep voting Democrat despite the results they're getting. The people in Venice Beach keep voting Democrat. Because despite the results they get, and I'm going, hmm, why, you look at this, why isn't Baltimore and Venice Beach voting Republican? Stockholm Syndrome. Yes, Stockholm Syndrome. But again, in defense of these people, they think that if someone gives them something, they're gaining something. They don't recognize yet that they can get a tremendously tremendous tremendously more if they would do it themselves you don't have to settle for pennies living off pennies and somebody telling you that we're giving you a freedom so you can live as a homeless person when you have the capacity to earn thousands hundreds of thousands buy homes properties and live in the manner that you want to live in that's the oppression that but, you but enough about the founders of black Lives matter <laughs> so but, so here, here here's the thing here's the thing and and you're absolutely right but it's like you know, we have this saying in the in the hood, um, you know, don't mess up for show money, looking for more money and end up with no money. And when you think about that, it's like, you know, the the government assistance is for sure money for so many people. So when I say, um, mm-hmm. sorry about that, somebody was calling me, um, the government assistance in so many ways is for sure money for a lot of individuals. And when we say, okay, get off of government assistance, but so many individuals have been, over the years, have been conditioned to rely on government assistance that now, unless we come up with a strategy and a plan to teach individuals how to become independent, and there lies the biggest, you know, missing factor um, is to say, okay, so if I get off welfare, then what? Um, you know, where, where do I go from here? So that, so there has to be a, a strategy in place to where if the concept of it is, is to get off. Now, I do believe that if welfare was regulated better and individuals had an end date to it, then it would encourage some people. Cause I believe that you have those individuals who have handicapped themselves based on, uh, government assistance. Uh, And I I believe that, you know, probably, and I can't think of the percentage of it, but how many individuals will probably end up finding themselves looking for jobs or or becoming self-sustaining if that wasn't given as an option or if they knew that that option was going to run out. But because there's no end date to it, you know, and I think that's the biggest problem. 
Let's take, we are a little past time for our break, so let's take a commercial break and we will resume our discussion after this word from All Star Collision, the place to take your car when you have an accident because they are truly the kings of wreck and roll. Back after this. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM590, the answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. Uh, our guest this week is Pastor Brian Hawkins, council member from San Jacinto and a candidate for Congress in the 36th District, and my co-host, uh, Anita Rhodes. And before I turn it back to her, we do want to hear what you have to think, our listeners, both of you out there, um, about our show. So we have an email address now, Unite IE Radio at ProtonMail. Dot com. So let us know what you think, and we may even read your emails on the air. Anita. Councilman, what do you think of this idea? Restitution instead of reparations. Restoring what was taken from the black families put the father back in the home. Five years. Give both parents the opportunity for training, nursing training, electrician training, and child care. After five years, both parents are able to support their family without the help of that for show money, which is pittance, which is just so little money to live off of. And then they raise their children. Restitution, restore the black family, put the father back in the home. Reparations, if we want to talk about reparations, we know that it was the Democrat Party from the very beginning that took and had systematic racism. So the reparations will come from the Democrat Party, so they should be very careful about demanding that from everybody. But not being vengeful and going for reparations, just get out the way, as James Brown said, I don't want nobody to give me nothing. Open up the door, and I'll get it myself. We're very capable of that. What do you think of that type of um, strategy? to give a hand up versus a hand out to black people and not just black people, anyone that's struggling for independence. Yeah. So, and, and that's the thing. Um, I love how you ended it. I mean, the, the, the whole thing is a great idea. I, I, I definitely love the way you ended it when you said not just for black people, but for all people that are struggling. And I think that that's the part that's missing out. Um, because, you know, just to suggest that all white people are beneficiaries of, of slavery is, is, is wrong. Um, and to suggest that, you know, blacks are the only people that struggle <laughs> is wrong. Um, yes. you know, and I don't, I don't know why when you're talking about equality, why wouldn't you want to lift up your neighbors along with yourselves? You know, if you truly are if you truly are asking for equality, just to suggest that, oh, everybody, because, you know, you know, the community I grew up in had whites, <laughs> Hispanics, Asian, you know, every, everybody was broke on my street. You know, we were we were all broke, you know, broke, broke, with broke to not discriminate. And and I think that that's important um, because I, I truly believe that if the government is going to play a role into assisting anyone, you know, it, it brings me back to 1978. I was watching a documentary with Thomas Sowell and uh, I want to look up this family. Uh, the family in the interview uh, was a father who was, who had made just a little bit too much for them to get welfare assistance. Uh, but his insurance, he couldn't afford the medical procedure that his daughter needed. And so I remember the mother saying, you know, it would be better if the father wasn't in the home, you know, just for um, for us to get medical procedures. And I think those are the type of people that the government should be willing to help. You know, those who who are working, 
those who are struggling to provide, you know, as opposed to somebody that's just sitting at home, you know, without any drive. Uh, there, there's so much to look into it. I was having this discussion the other day, and there's so much to look into it because, you know, when you look at it, you'll hear your 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 left activists say, oh, so, you know, when reparation was given to the Indians, they wasn't given any, you know, training or anything like that. When it was given to, you know, Asians, you know, was given to the Jews, they wasn't given any certain training. It was just given to them. Um, and, and it's a valid argument that they can make at the same time, too, I just watched a, a black gentleman win the lottery. I think he won like $30,000 and he went out and bought a $20,000 gold chain. Um, you know, and I said, you know, gosh, that you, you're really helping the argument of if they did give reparation, you know, where would individuals be at in society? And people are like, well, it shouldn't matter what they do with it. And I'm like, well, this is the reason why we're in this place is, 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 is financial literacy. You know, the lack of understanding, you know, how to handle finances. And if you're talking about giving reparation and then five years later, you know, as the statistics are with people who win the lottery, what is the purpose of arguing? So you can be content and happy for a while. Remember, the argument is generational wealth, setting up your family for generational wealth. So if this generation is given reparation and you squander it, what do you think is going to happen 50 years from now? Another generation, they're going to be right back there asking because you didn't set up, you know, your family for generational wealth. Um, I know we're coming up on the time and and I do wanted to bring this in and I kind of wanted to say uh, something towards uh, the signing of Juneteenth. Uh, I, I would I would. I would challenge my Republican constituents to look at it as. Uh, oh, well, start oh, start with Brian, start with what is, for those that may not be aware of what is Juneteenth? Right. Well, that's the reason why I think it's so important. So one, one, here is something that many people probably haven't looked at. Juneteenth is a Republican victory. I need you to understand that. Juneteenth is a Republican victory. So if anything, we should celebrate the fact is, is that the Democratic Party did something that it has never done in the history of their party. They created a national holiday to celebrate our greatest victory. So, and the reason why I say that is because uh, March 20th, 1854, the Republican Party was brought together for the sole reason to abolish slavery. And in 1863, when uh, Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation, which set in motion to abolish slavery. And it took up to two and a half years. And so while Juneteenth is celebrated, um, in Galveston, Texas, many of the slaves was not aware that slavery had been abolished. So June 19th, 1865, was the official day that the last part of America where slavery exists was finally abolished in America. And so that day is the day to, you know, you know, to mark when slavery was officially abolished. So if you think about it, our party was founded to abolish slavery. And 11 years later, slavery was officially abolished. So you can really say Juneteenth is really mission accomplished. That is that is a mission accomplished day because that was that was the birth of our 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 party's purpose. Um, And to celebrate it is to celebrate the victory of, you know, of this nation being truly, truly free in all aspects of humanity. It's a one of the one of the most important events in not only American history, but I think the the uh, abolition of slavery really from first half in the first half of the eighteen hundreds through through the Western world is one of the great accomplishments of Western civilization and humanity because slavery, contrary to what they teach in the government run schools, was not just unique to. You know, to the United States of America, slavery has existed in all cultures across the world and across time, and its abolition is one of the great achievements of human of of humankind. Absolutely, absolutely. And so, you know, I tell to any of my Republican constituents, man, a- embrace that victory because um, that's something that I mean, I can't think of any other party. I, you know, I don't know what founded the Democratic Party and what was their purpose on, but I know that the Republican Party was founded to abolish slavery, and we did exactly that. 
We are almost at, we are almost out of time here, and there's so much more we could we could touch on, and the uh, the, the absence of, uh, of fathers from the home, not only in, in black families but in all families, is a huge societal issue. But we don't have time to d- jump into that, so we got about thirty seconds left, Brian. Uh, how can people connect with you? You have a website for your campaign. Uh, people, I'm sure you'd be happy to take some contributions if uh, people were so inclined. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, my website is Hawkins for Congress 2022 dot com uh you can connect me anywhere across social media at real pastor brian that's twitter facebook uh instagram tiktok uh, once again that's hawkins uh, h-a-w-k-i-n-s for f-o-r congress the year 2022 so 2022.com uh please go on there you can click the donate button or or you can go into the win red website which a lot of our republican constituents are familiar with if you go to the Win Red website, because I'm one of the first, you know, congressional candidates in this district that has ever been allowed to um, ask for donations on the Win Red website. So you go in there, you click on California, you click on the house, you scroll down, you'll see Pastor Brian Hawkins. You can click on the donate link right from Win Red and donate straight to my campaign. Thank you, Pastor Brian, for being on our show, and we wish you well in the campaign. And uh, even though this has been a heavily Democrat district. Um, Raul Ruiz may be in for the fight of his life this coming in 2022, uh, thanks to the qualities that you have exemplified in your life and discussed here on the show. Thank you, Anita, for being on the show. That's all the time we have this week. Tune in next week for another exciting edition. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, right here on AM590 The Answer. By now, I'm sure you've all been hearing about the fact that mortgage rates have dropped a whole percentage point in the last 12 months. So what does that mean to you? Well, if you own a home, it means we can possibly, one, reduce your payment, two, pull out cash and pay off other bills, and then further reduce your payment, or three, we can possibly reduce the term of your loan and get your home paid off years earlier than you planned. If you're over 62 considering a reverse mortgage, the lower the interest rates are, the more money you get on a reverse mortgage. And if you haven't even inquired about a reverse, you owe it to yourself to investigate this tremendous financing option. So if you're thinking about any of these, the time to act is now. For more information, call me at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the Summit Funding logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921. California DRE ID number 10126. Arizona NMLO license number 0926439. Branch NMLS ID number 1841782. Summit Funding Incorporated NMLS ID number 31998. Arizona license number 0925837. Equal housing opportunity. AM 590. The answer.